0: We are called to live faithfully for Jesus, 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris and I am your only host tonight. Unfortunately, Brother Brandon and Brother Rob could not be on this recording. Uh, They have a lot of other things going on right now. And it's just kind of been the the season of uh, so many different things, of of being busy, and I was moving, Rob's working, and Brother Brandon, as a small-town pastor like all of us, has so many different hats that he has to put on. And so tonight, you get to hear from just me. And tonight, uh, as I record this podcast, Uh, I'm going to talk about depression and overcoming depression, and you'll get to hear a little bit of my testimony in that. And so as a young man, I experienced depression, and I want you to know first and foremost that Christians can experience that, that Christians can go through that just as the world goes through that, and to feel depression doesn't mean that you have failed as a Christian, Uh, but we, we do have a better means of dealing with the things that bring us down. You see, I believe as we read through scripture that we have an enemy that when he sees us doing something, when he sees us following the will of God and succeeding and leading others to him and living as an example in our faith, He wants to bring us down. He doesn't want us to be able to reach out to this lost and dying world because the lost and dying world around us is right where the enemy, the devil, wants it to be. And so when you live faithfully for God, you can always expect to be attacked by our enemy, the devil. And so First and foremost, depression is real. Uh, Anxiety is real. But I want you to know this too, that we don't have to give it control over our lives. And so some of the most faithful and triumphant people in scripture are oftentimes the most broken people we'll ever meet. You can read about King David. He is someone that we we look at all of the great things that he did, and sometimes we forget that he was a broken person just like us, that he failed in many aspects, that he experienced deep bouts of depression and anxiety. We see that in so many others, too, that we read about throughout Scripture. Uh, And tonight, we're going to look at First Kings chapter 19 verses 1 through 18 and look at Elijah. But what's interesting about this is this is a part of the Bible that I came to in a very difficult time in my life. And so as I was growing up, I wasn't the most popular kid in school when I was younger. In fact, I, I didn't have a whole lot of money. My family was was very poor and we didn't have the means to get the best clothes, and we didn't have the nicest things, and uh, I wasn't really good at sports. I tried to play sports when I was younger, but I was considered one of the not-so-good players for a very long time, and there there was just this time where kids would make fun of me and, and put me down, And I experienced depression. And what's interesting about this story is I related to Elijah greatly, not during his success, but during one of the most broken moments of his life. And you'll see this, how I kind of relate to him as we read through the scripture. But there was a day as i experienced this depression that i was ready for everything to end i wanted to end my life and and i left my house i walked out into the woods and i never expected to return and i had given my life to christ i was trying to faithfully follow him in this lost and dying world, but I was extremely broken. I was extremely lonely. I was extremely depressed. And so as I walked out into the woods, I I sat down under this tree and I said, God, give me a reason to live or just, you know, take my life. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to experience this pain that I'm feeling. I've given my life to you. I thought this was going to turn all of these different things around. I thought it was going to fix all of these feelings that I was experiencing as well. And so the question was to God for me, why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this? Give me a reason to live. And there were moments in my depression before this point where where I was hopeful, where I stood back up and then quickly fell back down into this deep depression. And then I find myself at this point, at the deepest part of my depression, ready to end my life, ready to end everything. And so as I sat down under this tree, God, give me a reason to live. Show me a sign. Give me give me an example. I, I don't know. And, and at this point, I, even though I'd been through the Bible, I, I didn't really retain every single thing. And and so I just opened my Bible up and I read this account in First Kings chapter 19 of Elijah, who we will also see in scripture, sits under a tree and says, Lord, take my life away. I'm no good. I'm not good at at anything I'm doing. I'm failing. Everybody hates me. People want me to die. I feel like I'm the only one left. So God, just go ahead and take my life. And those were some of the feelings that I had. And though I might not have been going through the exact same scenario as Elijah during this point, I was going through the same feelings. I was feeling useless. God, why would you want me? Why would you want to use me? Why would you call me into the ministry? And as a kid, at this point, I knew that God was calling me to the ministry. I knew that I was going to preach his word and dedicate my life to that. But I already felt like a failure even before I got to that point. Because I'd go to school and and kids wouldn't listen to me. Instead, kids would put me down I would experience that that bullying. I I felt like the world was against me. I felt like I was the only one, and I was extremely lonely and felt out of place, and I came to this conclusion that the best thing for me, the best thing for the world around me, and even probably the best thing for God at that moment, was for my life to end, because I felt useless. But we see some of the the most faithful and the most triumphant people in scripture go through these same emotions. They failed, they lied, they cried, they begged God for death, yet instead of granting their request, and I praise God for unanswered prayers because he didn't answer my prayer at that moment, but rather he gave me what I needed to continue on. Because even though many people through scripture, they begged God for death, he gave them hope and a reason to continue on, and he used them greatly. And and so that's what I want to look at today is overcoming depression. And and again, I want to reiterate this. Depression does not mean you failed depression just means that the enemy wants to keep you down so that you can't do your job that you were called to and, and so just some background before we go in the first kings chapter 19 is is this that that elijah had done some pretty cool things he was a prophet of the lord and it all the other prophets were in hiding at this time and so he felt like he was the only one out there but he was going out and he was a warrior he was calling out the king of of judah at this time whose name was ahab and he was leading people astray to worship Baal. as this lady jezebel he had married had led him away to Baal, and and so elijah was calling him out saying you're you know you're not doing any good here uh and and so he prayed Elijah prayed and the heavens shut up the rain for three and a half years there was no rain and people remember that very well about Elijah and then the next part that we see about Elijah is that he calls out Ahab and he calls out all of these prophets of Baal and these prophets of other false gods that were running rampant in Israel at that time and he says I'm going to Issue a challenge to you. Meet me at Mount Carmel, and we're going to see which God is real. We're going to pray to the gods. You pray to Baal. I'm going to pray to the living God. And whichever God answers by fire, that God is real. That is the living God. That is the God that Israel should worship. And so we we see this challenge play out, and he says, go ahead, prophets of Baal, you do your thing. And so they built an altar to, to Baal, and they uh, started calling out to Baal and whipping their backs, lashing their backs, cutting themselves, dancing like fools around this altar, and yet Baal never answered and this whole time Elijah he seems to be in high spirits because he's kind of mocking him. Hey, where is Baal? Is he sleeping? Is he using the restroom? Is he is he busy? What's going on? Why isn't Baal answering you? And so Elijah then, when it's his turn, repairs the altar of the Lord, the altar of the Lord that had been broken, that had been Uh, put aside and the children of Israel at that time weren't focusing on God so it kind of laid in ruins but he repaired that altar he he set it up he he called out to God and he didn't have to dance for hours he didn't have to cut himself he didn't have to wail out loud but he called out to God and God answered by fire and he slew all of the prophets of Baal, uh, which were over 450 prophets of Baal. And so we see Elijah, who was victorious in the Lord many times, who we know is this great prophet of the Lord. As we see later on, uh, he, he was a prophet that didn't even experience death here in this world. He was taken up in a whirlwind by God. And so when we look at Elijah in that order, sometimes we find it hard to relate to him. But I want to remind you that even though Elijah did great things in God, he was a man that was also broken that also needed to be reminded of who he was serving and the hope that he had to keep living and serving God. And and so let us look at the first couple verses right after Mount Carmel, this victory at Mount Carmel after he slew these 450 prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 1 through 4. And Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough. Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors. And so I can't pretend to know exactly everything that Elijah is going through at this moment. But he issued a challenge to these false prophets, and God answered. And instead of all of Israel falling down to their knees and and worshiping God the way that they should, which it should be the leaders and everyone else. The the leaders here decided that they wanted to not commend Elijah for turning Israel back to God, but they wanted to kill him. They issued out a a proclamation of death to Elijah. And and so this must have been a big blow to Elijah because this is a guy that stood before the people of israel he slew 450 prophets of the false god baal and jezebel issues this one woman issues a proclamation of death and instead of standing strong at that time he broke uh, his his feelings got to him this loneliness got to him this overwhelming sense of anxiety got to him. And instead of standing strong and saying, Jezebel, you have no power over me. Do you not just see what God has done? He sent fire from the skies. He's been holding the rain back from Israel because I prayed for that so that Israel might open their eyes. So I'm not afraid of you, Jezebel. No, he didn't do that. He did what a lot of us would do. He ran. He got scared. The anxiety began to eat away at him. The depression began to eat away at him. The fear began to eat away at him and he ran and he ran and he ran. He went a day's journey uh, into the wilderness. He didn't even take his his uh, servant with him because this was just a trip that he had to take alone. and And this is what was so, so meaningful in my life because this is the passage that I came to as I sat underneath a tree ready to end my life as I was calling out to God to just go ahead and do that for me. Here we find Elijah sitting under a tree, the vanquisher of 450 false prophets of Baal, the one who prayed for the rain to cease, and it did for three and a half years. And and when he prayed again after defeating the prophets of Baal, it it stormed and the rain came down. Elijah, the one who stood in front of the king of Israel, Ahab, and and called him out, was afraid, was lonely, was depressed. And he, he ran for his life. That's the ironic thing there, isn't it? He ran for his life just to say, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. And again, we want to relate to Elijah when he stands on a mountain of victory, but sometimes that's hard. But we more relate to him here, broken, scared, tired. And and, and that's something that I think we need to focus on is that if God can use Elijah in his brokenness and his fear and his anxiety and his depression, he can do the same with us. That, that filling these feelings doesn't mean you're not qualified to serve the living God. These feelings, we just need to submit to the living God so that we can overcome this depression, so that we can overcome anxiety. And I want, I want this to be understood, too. Is that overcoming depression doesn't mean that depression, that anxiety, that that fear just ceases and never, ever comes back. You see, the enemy is going to use that tool over and over again and over again and it's imperative it's important that we continue to submit ourselves to God that we continue to seek out his will so that we can overcome these different feelings that we have in life and so God wasn't wasn't uh looking at Elijah and saying oh my goodness look at this guy he is so weak i've i've shown him all of these Great miracles I've I've used him so greatly why in the world does he think he can sit down under a tree now and, and just say kill me I'm done he didn't look at Elijah and say you weak person you you weak human I have no use for you and and I'm just gonna go ahead and grant your request and take your life that's not what he did instead he did this as we read on in verse five and five through eight. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Elijah was laying there. I think he was content to just starve to death if he had to and die under this broom tree. If if God wasn't willing to take his life, he would just lay there until he died. But suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, "Get up and eat." Then he looked. And there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. And, And so God's reply to this request, Lord, take my life, was not to take his life, was not to ridicule him, but to send him strength. And I think that's another important point to note is that when we get into that point, when we are lonely, when we are depressed, when we are anxious, when we feel like the world is crashing down around us and we can't just go a step further Instead of crushing us, tossing us aside like useless, useless rags, God takes care of us. You see, his reply to Elijah was not, I'm going to kill you. His reply to Elijah was, I'm going to give you the strength to continue on. Did you see that where where the angel said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. The journey was already too much spiritually for Elijah. It was already too much emotionally for Elijah. It had even become too much physically for Elijah where he was just laying down and, and sitting there and ready to die. But God's reply was, Not, I'm going to let you die right here in your depression. His reply was, I'm going to give you the strength to carry on. And that's how we should look at those moments in our life. When we get depressed, the enemy likes to whisper in our ear, that's it. God can't use you. He likes to, that's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to whisper in our ears and and tell us how useless we are and and how unworthy we are and that resonates with us because in all truthfulness when it comes to serving the living God we're imperfect and we are unworthy and there's no way that we by our strength by our knowledge would be able to actually enact the will of God But that's not what we do when we follow the will of God. We don't go by our strength. We don't go by our knowledge. We don't go by our power. We don't do things in our name. We do things in the name of the Lord. And he gives us strength. He gives us power. He gives us wisdom. He gives us knowledge. He is the one who sets us up and and carries us through everything that he has called us to do. And so as we... Find our times in those moments where the enemy is whispering to us that we are useless. We we really buy into it because in, in a sense, we are imperfect and we are serving a perfect God. But that's why God is so great because he uses imperfect people, broken people, depressed people, anxious people to enact, to carry out his perfect will. And he gives us the strength. He gives us the ability to do so. You see, when Elijah prayed, it wasn't Elijah that shut up the heavens and didn't allow rain. It was God who shut up the heavens and didn't allow rain. When Elijah stood before those prophets of Baal as the only prophet of the Lord that day, and he was standing against 450 prophets of Baal. Elijah wasn't the one who sent fire down from the sky. That was God who sent fire down from the sky. And as Elijah is sitting under this broom tree and he has nothing left to go on, he has no energy. It wasn't by Elijah's power that he was able to get up but it was by God's provision that he was able to get up and he ate this meal and he was able to continue on for 40 days and 40 nights to the point where he found himself at Mount Horeb which was known as the mountain of God which is great symbolism there because no matter how far you run you cannot escape God you're always going to be in the presence of God and God instead of throwing Elijah to the wayside brought him to the mountain of God for a divine appointment to help him out, to help him realize who he was, why he was there, and what he needed to continue doing. And here's what happened is Elijah got to this cave or to this mountain. And it says in verses nine through 10, he entered a cave there and he spent the night. And suddenly the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they're looking to take my life. And I think we sound like that a lot and, and I would call this Uh, Today, my term for this would be a cave-dwelling Christian. We like to get into these dark, depressing caves and spend time there. And when God says, what are you doing here? We have a grand excuse, just like Elijah. Elijah, why are you in this dark, depressing cave? Well, God, I've really been following you. I've been listening to you. I've been been doing things for you, but it looks like everyone around me doesn't want to listen. They don't want to to listen to me. They don't want to listen to you. They tore down your altars, God. They killed all of your prophets with the sword, and I'm the only one left. See, there's that, that feeling of loneliness that Elijah has there, and he says, they're looking to take my life. And I don't know what the cave looks like for you, but the cave back when I was a child, when I was about 13 years old, was depression. I was sitting in a cave. It was dark. It was lonely. It wasn't a, a real cave. It was a figurative cave. It was, was based in my feelings of depression. And I was sitting there saying, God, take my life. I feel like I'm the only one. I looked around at the the people that surrounded me and I I based my feelings off of how they were reacting, how they were living their lives and in a sense sometimes I still feel this way and and I'm not I'm not going to tell you that after that day after I got up and walked out of the woods that I never expected to walk out of that I never felt depression there's still times that I spend time in that cave and and God time and time again when I get to that cave he he asked me what are you doing here chris what why are you here right now and I always have a grand excuse well god no one's listening to me well god someone said something really mean to me Oh, God, I feel like everyone's out to get me. Everyone wants to see me fall. God, I feel unworthy. I failed you so many times. God, why would you even want me? Those are all things that I, I bring up to him as I spend time in this cave. And, and here Elijah is doing the same thing that I do time and time again. He, he gives this excuse, I, I feel lonely. I feel worthless everyone's trying to take my life. No one's listening to you, Lord. I'm I'm too tired to carry on. And I think we can all feel that way, especially in the the current culture that we live in, the godless culture that we live in. It's it's extremely easy to feel just like Elijah here. To look around at this lost and dying world and and see how prevalent godless this godless culture is in the United States and to say, it's just time to give up. And, and sometimes we, we don't even end things physically. We just kind of give up spiritually. We just kind of give up emotionally. And God will ask you the same question that he's asked Elijah. Why are you here? Why are you hanging out in this cave? And oftentimes we'll reply with, with this well, God, I'm I'm not good enough, I'm sad, I'm lonely, I've given up. And again, I want you to know this. That doesn't mean that you failed as a Christian. That just simply means, first and foremost, you are human, you are imperfect, the enemy has whispered in your ear, you've bought into his lies, and now God is going to pull you out of those lies. And sometimes, sometimes, that is extremely painful and so here's what goes on as we continue on in verse eleven through fourteen. Then he said, "Go out and stand on the mountain of the Lord or on the mountain in the Lord's presence." And at that moment the Lord passed by, a great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper, or as some versions would say, a still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replies, I've, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are looking for me to take my life. And so this, this feeling of loneliness happens when we isolate ourselves from the world around us, from our brothers and sisters, even in Christ. And and Sometimes we do that because we think that we can only find God in these extremely big moments. And there were a lot of big moments in Elijah's life. He prayed and the rain stopped. He prayed and fire was rained down from heaven. Those are extremely big moments. And those are moments sometimes that we think have to be present at every moment in our life to know that God is there. Like there has to be a huge tent revival and then there has to be 10,000 youth events a month and that there has to be 20,000 people crying at the altar for the Lord to be present in our lives. But we see all of these great big events that it says that God was not in. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering the cliffs before the Lord. But what does it say? The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after that earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after all of these things, there was that still small voice. Because when there's no big events going on around you, It's easy to isolate yourself. It's easy to think that God's not working in your life. And it's almost like we have to have these loud noises and these big things to see God working. But sometimes all we need to do is sit down, be still. And listen. And why is God the still small voice at this time? Because if I, uh, you're a still small voice, like right now I'm a little bit loud. I, I'm a loud mouth. I have a loud voice. And right now you can hear my voice very clearly. But if I start to whisper right now, everything has to be quiet. You have to stop what you're doing. You have to turn down all of the different things going on around your Your life right now. You might have to cut the car engine. You might have to find a silent place to hear what I'm about to say. But when I whisper, everything has to stop if you want to hear what I'm saying. And God's doing that to Elijah right here. I'm just not the God of the big events. I'm a personal God. I'm a God that wants to talk to you. I'm a God that wants to be present in your life when things aren't really going on right now, when big events aren't happening, I'm still active in your life. And so God was this still, small voice whispering out to Elijah, saying, listen to me, hear me. Things don't seem good right now, but I'm not just the God of wind. I'm not just the God of the the earth and the fire, but I'm your personal God. I am the God that created you, that cares for you, that listens to you. And now Elijah, I want you to listen to me. Elijah, why are you here? And Elijah, he, he replies with the same thing. Oh, I'm I'm I've been following you, God. It's just not easy. No one's listening to you. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to, to kill me. And here's what God says to that. Here's what happens when when we slow down just a little bit. When we Turn down all of the noise around us and just listen to that still small voice. Here's what the still small voice had to say. Then the Lord said to him, go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you are to anoint Hazael as king over Aram. You are to anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel and Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel Maloha as prophet in your place, then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Hazael and Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel, every knee that has not bowed the bell and every mouth that has not kissed him. And so we see all of these fears that that broke Elijah, that sent him into the wilderness, that brought him to that point where he was sitting under a tree begging for God to kill him. We see all of the things that were causing him depression, like the fact that the king and his wife, Ahab and Jezebel, wanted to kill him. God said, I'm going to replace him. Don't you worry about that problem, if, if if what you're scared of right now, Elijah, if you had just listened to me, if you had stopped thinking about these big moments and these big events and just sat still and listened to me, I would have told you this in the very first place, that those people that are being mean to you and trying to take your life have no power over me. I'm the one who anoints kings. I'm the one who sets them up. And when they don't listen to me, I'm the one who brings them down. And so when you get back on the right path, I want you to go to Hazael and you are going to anoint him as king over Aram. And then I want you to go to Jehu, the son of Nimshi, and he's going to become king over Israel. He's going to replace Ahab and you're saying that you're the only prophet of the Lord well I want you to know this that there's another guy out there named Elisha I want you to go find him too and you are going to anoint him he is going to become a prophet in your place and not only that there's 7,000 people in Israel that have not bowed down to Baal and they have not submitted to Baal look you are not alone Elijah. The enemy was working very mightily in Elijah's life at that moment when he tried so hard and so hard and so hard, and then it seemed like his plan failed, like everything failed when Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. When the leaders of Israel didn't submit to God, but rather sought to kill him, the enemy was whispering in his ear, you failed. You couldn't do it. And the truth is, Elijah couldn't do it. That's why God had to give him the energy at the very beginning of this passage to continue on. Because his strength was not good enough. But my friends, the things about uh, this life when we follow God is... That when he calls us somewhere, we are not called to go in our strength. We're not called to go in our might. We're not called to go in our knowledge. We're called to go in the power and in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who has made us conquerors over all of these evil things, over the doctrines of demons of this world, over the principal principalities and, and the powers of darkness in this world. Jesus has made us conquerors, not by our name, but by his name. And if we sit down for a moment in those times where the enemy whispers in our ear that you are useless, and when he does that to me, I I, I can come to this conclusion, you know what, man, I'm not that great. You old devil, you, I'm not that great but you know what? It's not about how great I am. It's about how great Jesus is. It's about how powerful Jesus is. And if Jesus has called me to do something, if he has told me to go forward, he is going to give me the strength and he is going to give me the ability to do his will. And so if you're out there and your experience, if you're experiencing depression if you're experiencing anxiety i want you to first and foremost know this that you are not alone not to undermine what you're going through because we all go through different experiences but i want you to know that you are not alone that we see many people through scripture that have experienced deep bouts of anxiety loneliness and depression but that anxiety That loneliness and that depression did not overcome them because God gave them the ability to overcome the circumstances that they were facing. And my friends, as you're listening to this today, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I want you to know this as you follow God faithfully, he is going to give you the ability to overcome every obstacle in your life. And that doesn't mean that it disappears. It just means that he is going to give you the strength to break down the walls that are around you. He's going to give you the strength to jump over the hurdles that are in front of you. He's going to give you the strength to overcome every feeling of anxiety and depression that plagues you. And sometimes I feel like some of these feelings are a thorn in my flesh. God, please take this feeling away and never let it return. And then I hear what Jesus said to Paul when he said, I have this thorn in my flesh and I prayed three times for God to remove it, but he never removed it. And Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So my friends today, don't look at your depression and anxiety as a failure, look at it as a wall, look at it as a wall that God is going to give you the ability to crush look at it as a hurdle that God is going to give you the ability to jump over God is going to give you the ability as you seek his will and submit to him to overcome everything that stands in between you and his will so my friends Stop letting these walls of depression this cave of depression be where you sleep Rest assured that God is going to give you the strength to carry on Jeremiah 29:11 says this I know the plans I have for you This is the Lord's declaration plans for your well-being not for disaster To give you a future and a hope. So my friends, if you're going through any bouts of depression, I encourage you to give it to God. If you want to talk about it, send us a message on the Faith 168 podcast Facebook page. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about that. I'd love to pray with you as you continue to seek God and get through these tough times and overcome this depression or this anxiety that you are facing. But my friends, I want you to know that you are not alone. And I'm not saying because I've experienced what you're experiencing. Because I can fail you. I might not have the right advice for you. But when I say you're not alone, it's because you have a God who loves you. Who is constantly there for you. Who is not naive to what is going on in your life. But wants to help you. And can help you. And will help you as you submit to him and follow him. So thank you for joining us at the Faith 168 podcast today. We love you, and we pray that this week you will live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours until we meet again. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much that you give us the power to overcome the many circumstances that we face in this life. And that as we overcome those circumstances is that you use them to help us grow stronger in our faith and in our walk with you. So father, first I just want to lift up those that are going through times of depression, times of anxiety and loneliness. And I just pray that as they go through that, that they seek out a brother or sister in Christ to share those feelings with that that can pray with them and and be there for them but more than that i just pray that they submit to you and look to you to get through these times because father every time we ask for help you give it to us not always in the way that we want it but in the way that we need it so father be there for our brothers and sisters that are going through tough times and depression, anxiety, and loneliness and lift them up so that they can stand on that mountain of victory in your name. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.